What a blessed morning in so many ways it is that we can assemble in the way that we are today. This particular Sunday, as you know, of course, has an interesting appreciation for many in that we know very well that that holiday known as Thanksgiving is, of course, a little bit later this week. The lesson today, in many ways, will invite you and I to give some appreciation to a lesson I've entitled, We Thank Thee. You may have noted a moment ago from 1 Chronicles 29, and it'll be that passage that we'll utilize for much of the lesson this morning. So if you'd like to keep your Bible open to that place, I believe you'll be benefited and blessed by having it available as we study these passages in just a moment. We're thankful for the presence of each and every person. As mentioned earlier, those who have been somewhat ill but are able to be back with us, we're certainly thankful. We know you are as well. For those who aren't able to be with us today, due to health reasons, we certainly hope that things for them will be much better really soon. And yet for all of us today that we have gathered, that God has so richly blessed us, we thank Thee. This slide is one that will hopefully motivate us to proceed into the lesson here in just a moment. The Thanksgiving holiday is a very important one, at least in the mind of many people. It has yet to suffer all the commercialization that Christmas has. It certainly is not in the same vein as Halloween and others. And yet it comes at the fall of the year after completion of so many things. In the history of our nation, there at first there were many differing cities and even states that honored what we recognize as Thanksgiving. But it was Abraham Lincoln who in 1863 made it a national holiday. And it's been celebrated in November ever since. Today, you and I celebrate it the fourth Thursday in November every year. That's this coming Thursday, the 22nd. I would invite you, though, to appreciate that Thanksgiving is not just a national consideration. It's a biblical concern. All throughout the Word of God, both Old and New Testament, we find a host of passages that not only cast a spotlight upon it, but give a great responsibility with respect to it. What is the responsibility of you and me in regard to thanksgiving? Let's study about that at least for a little while this morning. We'll use again 1 Chronicles 29 as our basic thrust. And for the first part of the lesson, this next slide, let's revisit the setting of that passage so that we don't lose sight of its context. David was the king of Israel at that time. In fact, we are very near the end, though, of David's life in the flesh. It was very soon going to be the case David was going to pass away. That means that the things we read about in this chapter, the statements that he made, this speech that he presented, was one of the very last things he ever said. I think we would each readily agree that the last words a person chooses to say if that person's cognizant, if that person has self-awareness and is able to speak, the last things that person ever says are some of the most meaningful and the most important. For that person realizes then he or she is about to cross the Jordan River of death, about to pass over to the other side, and the last, most significant, most meaningful words to share with those who may be present are going to be these things that you choose to say. I wonder what David said then in this last opportunity, the last things he ever affirmed. Well, you'll notice on that slide, David assembled the princes, the leaders, if you please, of Israel, and he shared with them some very impressive words. 
I'd like to read, if I might, chapter 28 of 1 Chronicles, specifically verses 7 and 8. Listen to what David said to them. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now therefore, in the sight of all Israel and the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess the good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever." You'll notice on that slide I ask you to appreciate that among the assertions that David made to that gathered leaders in Israel, he said, Seek God. He charged them above all things else. Don't worry as much about the enemies of the nation. Don't worry quite so much about the other ongoing daily issues. Seek God. Keep His commandments. Now, later on, you and I will learn as we close Ecclesiastes, David's son Solomon would have some rather similar words to that to say. But notice what else he asserted. As far as maintaining possession of this land, your maintaining possession of it hinges on serving God. To those leaders in Israel, David would say, if you choose not to serve the Lord, you're going to forfeit possession of this land. God will no longer be with you. But by no means was that the only thing that David shared with them. Later on in this chapter, not only serving God, but we'll not read all those details, but he gave them instructions on constructing the, the, the temple. David made ready the things, the building materials, and he gave them the urgency. Don't you just build your houses. You make sure to build a place for the Lord where He can be served and worshipped. Are you getting an impression that among the last things that David wished to share with the people of Israel, an absolute focus and a dedication, a devotion to the things of God. Let's read on though and note this. Verse number 9 of that same chapter, a stirring set of words. One of the people that was present on that occasion when David made this speech, was his son Solomon. Would you please notice with me what he said to Solomon? David singled him out, and he said, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Those words are amazing. Picture it if you would. Here was David, the great king of Israel, an aged man by this time. And yet here was his young son Solomon. I say young. Now Solomon by this point was certainly a person who was capable of leading and he was soon to take over leadership of Israel. And yet to him David the father said, verse number 9, Serve God with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. Serve God because you want to. Serve God out of a perfect, a desirous heart. I might pause at that point and ask each of us, are you and I serving God that way? Maybe your father or maybe some other member of your family 
issued words much like that to you as that person was soon to pass away. Again, may I say, when an individual is soon to pass on, the words they choose to speak then are the most meaningful to them. They're the most moving and compelling to them. Here David said, Solomon, the best word advice I can give you, you serve God with a willing and a perfect heart. And not only that, verse number 9, if you seek Him, He'll be found of you. But if you forsake Him, He'll cast you off forever. Now, there are going to be some interesting things in Solomon's life, but for right now, could you and I note this? The best advice any parent, the best counsel that any parent or even grandparent can bequeath to that family is dedication to God. Focus on Him and appreciate in light of what we're about to study today the practical and ongoing daily things that's going to mean. It is for that reason we close that slide like this. David did something remarkable that day in addition to these words he spoke. Again, I'll not read the rest of chapter 28. But David, in the presence of the people, made a free will offering on his part. I want these things to be used for the construction of the temple. And so he gave lots of gold and silver and brass. And may I say, it was not out of his kingly treasury. It was out of his own personal pocket. He gave an example to Solomon and all the others about his willingness to serve the Lord and even to give of himself to do it. But then, with all of that said, it brings us to our lesson. At least the implication from the following perspective. In the next chapter, 1 Chronicles 29, we encounter the following. And just a moment ago, Joe read for us from verses 10 to 13 of that chapter. I'd like to read those again. And with these ideas that we've just mentioned as a backdrop, notice again the urgency. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee, and praise thy glorious name. And there's where I took the title of the lesson, We Thank Thee. This coming Thursday, again, recognized as that holiday we call Thanksgiving, and surely David sets before us here an example of, we thank thee. I'd like us to spend the next few moments then developing three points based on that reading. In light of David's message to the gathered people of Israel, first lesson is this, express thanks. It isn't enough just to be thankful. According to the Bible, we need to be those who literally express that sentiment in thanksgiving. We shall develop it pretty carefully in just a moment, but may I ask, how often do you and I expressly thank God? Now, I realize we may often think it and we may feel that way, but how often do we express it? Do we tell Him that we're thankful? As we're about to learn, that's not only something that is of consideration, it's a commandment.
Let's begin our discussion like this. There might be some who would say, but why do I need to thank God? He already knows I'm thankful. And true enough, there's a truth to that, for God knows everything. Psalm 139 develops the point, He even knows your thoughts before you think them. Isn't that amazing? He even can read the intention of your heart and mind before those intentions lead to actions. He knows our down-sitting and our uprising, whether it be in the brightness of day or the darkness of night, God knows everything about you and me. In fact, in Hebrews 4.13 we read, "...neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do." So it is a true statement that God does know whether we're thankful or not. But that still doesn't set aside the following point. In Psalm 92 verse 1 it says, It is a good thing to express thanks to God. It's a good thing to thank Him. To that we may add Psalm 119 verse, verse number 62. The message gets even thicker. It gets even deeper in some regard. And so, certainly a good thing, but note this. Colossians 3.15 says, Be ye thankful. That's a commandment. Notice again, the understood subject is you and me. All of us as Christians were told be thankful. And as we've already learned, that thankfulness in Colossians 2 verse 7 helps to keep us from a vain mind. It keeps us focused on truly what's important. Truly what's significant, the understanding of who gives us these blessings we so wonderfully enjoy. One last passage at 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I would invite you to consider the brevity of that one, but also the strength of it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God, in Jesus Christ concerning you. As Paul closed that first Thessalonian letter, it's easy to recollect that there were a number of very brief but yet penetrating thoughts, and among that list is this, in everything he said, give thanks. May I invite you to note there were no qualifiers to that statement. He didn't say give thanks if it's convenient for you. He didn't say give thanks if you happen to be rich. Give thanks if you happen to have enjoyment and greatly so in a number of regions and realms of life. He said, in everything, my friend. Even if you and I aren't in the most perfect of conditions, may we realize there still are those worse than we. And there are still so many things that we could reasonably and considerably give thanks for. You may also notice this isn't just one day a year either. That means that today and tomorrow and Tuesday and, yea, in addition to the days beyond Thursday, the Christian is to be an individual who is a thankful person, a person who recognizes that not only is he or she thankful, but we in fact rejoice at being able to express to God how thankful we are. Cale led us in prayer a moment ago, and on many occasions he reminded us how thankful we should be, and we prayed in thanksgiving to God, and what a wonderful sentiment it was. That thanksgiving leads me to note this. There's a great danger if we do not give that thanks to God. 
For after all, the Gentile world expressed in Romans 1.21, notice Paul said, they weren't thankful. Well, what did they begin to do because of it? They began to worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. They began to look upon themselves and fail to appreciate the fact that what they were and all the things they enjoyed were from someone beyond themselves. And of course, a number of sins began to develop. Let's add the following to that. 1 Timothy 2.1 Paul there stated that it was the will of God and continues so until this day. I will that all men give thanks unto God. Do you and I do this? Are, are we thank, do we express to God our heartfelt appreciation and thanksgiving? Certainly we're admonished to in the Word of God. Let's close that slide this way. Some biblical examples. In Luke 17, beginning in verse number 9, a very memorable scene occurred. Jesus was making His way to Jerusalem. But along the way, He happened upon a village, and there were ten lepers from a distance who espied the Master. And they shouted to Him, If Thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. Notice they didn't come to where He was. Being a leper, they were from Old Testament manners, commanded to remain distinct and separate. They shouted to Jesus. Jesus, in return, gave them the information, Go and show yourself to the priest. They hadn't made it very far when they were miraculously cleansed, every one of them. But one of those lepers turned and came back and fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked Him. The only words out of Jesus' mouth at that time were this, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? The nine hadn't returned to thank Him. Jesus asked where they were. Today, you and I ought to think very carefully if He has heaped upon us in such abundance so many blessings, and indeed He has. Let's not be negligent to thank Him. Let's not overlook the impressiveness of expressing to Him our heartfelt thanksgiving. What about another example, even aside from those lepers? In Daniel 6, verse number 10, Daniel and by this point, a decree had been signed. There is to be no prayer to any deity, only to the king of Persia. Didn't deter Daniel. He opened his window and prayed three times. And specifically, it's mentioned that in that prayer, he thanked God. Today, would you and I thank God under those conditions? If we lived under a government that was persecuting Christianity, would we still thank God for those circumstances? Daniel did. May I say, there's always things for which we could be thankful. Our first lesson then of the day, express thanks. May we be quick in our prayer life to earnestly, diligently, and in a heartfelt way thank our God. The last two points of the lesson will be reasons for that thanksgiving. Let's look at the next one. God's generosity. One of the things that David knew very well it was in that lesson text of a few moments ago. I'd like us to reread one of the sections. It's verse number 11. 1 Chronicles 29, verse number 11. In light of saying, We thank thee, David began that statement like this, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. 
For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. David recognized something so remarkable. And it's the point we're about to develop here. David knew that one of the reasons why they should be so very thankful to God was because of his generosity. He had been so good to David, and he had been so good to Israel, and he had been so good to those people gathered before David on that occasion. Now that point's easy to ask of ourselves. Has God been good to you? Has He been good to me? I can overwhelmingly say He's blessed me even more abundantly than I have words to express. And I feel sure you probably feel the same. He has been so good to us. His generosity is beyond description. The abundance of His riches. And did you notice that's in the next verse? Verse number 12, Both riches and honor come of thee. If you have any degree of riches, of any amount whatsoever, they're due to God. If there is any honor to your person, regardless how meager or massive it could be, it's all due to God. May I again ask each of us, has God been good to you and me? Let's look at God's generosity like this. I'm reminded David also made this statement in Psalm 24.1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. That word fullness means every aspect and every element constituting that earth. Everything that you and I have, your house, your land, your car, your account, no matter how much it may be in a bank, large or small, your talents and your capabilities, your person, your clothing, everything that you have is due ultimately to His blessings. David recognized that point here. No wonder in verse 13 he said, We thank Thee. You and I too certainly are honored to be able to thank Him. May we develop that point in verse number 11. You'll notice that reference is made in that statement to the kingdom. I thought you and I would be wise at this point to say this, that large list that I mentioned a moment ago, and it certainly was extensive. House, car, all those things are material. And as a Christian, you and I know we have been even more marvelously blessed spiritually. For isn't it true that if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, to quote 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. In other words, if everything we have were dissolved physically, we still have hope in heaven. And we still have an abode waiting for us beyond the description of this material world. God has been so good to us. He sent His Son to die for us. That son purchased the church and paid the way by putting in place a plan of salvation such that upon obedience thereto, we can be forgiven. Those mistakes, those errors, those sins in life, isn't it marvelous to be forgiven? You know, one of the things our world so often longs for is to start anew. I've messed up and I want to start anew. And would you believe there's not a person on earth can do that except a Christian? We're the only ones that have the message of forgiveness. The only ones who have given adherence to the truth that Jesus Christ has taught. 
just like what was told to Paul in Acts 22. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Paul, all those sins you'd committed, you'd put Christians to death. Acts 9, verses 1 and following. You, in fact, had given your sentence, Acts 26, 10, in regard to persecuting willfully those that are Christians. Every bit of that when he was baptized was forgiven. Every bit of it. I don't care what the mistakes of your life or mine may have been, as heinous, as ugly, as ungodly as they may have been, Christ will forgive every one of them if we'll just bow before Him in submission and do what He says. May I say as Christians, oh, what reason we have to thank Him. He's been so good to us. There was a moment when, of course, Jesus left heaven. Now, He appeared as that babe in the manger there, of course, in Bethlehem. But God made a directed decision that He was going to offer to us what we didn't deserve. Romans 5.8 says, When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have every reason to thank Him. Look at how this slide continues to develop that. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God's generosity. I realize that there are perhaps days when that seems a darker matter. Maybe our country is under the throes of poor decisions and other matters. And yet as Christians, may we never lose sight of the fact we have much for which to be thankful. In addition to those things, couldn't we add issues about our own physical family? If you have a wife, love her, appreciate her, and be thankful for her. Your children, be thankful for them. They truly are blessings from God. Is one by one, we imagine all of those considerations. David had one more thing to say. We've highlighted God's generosity. But in that text, in that reading, one more thing should be noted. Let's use that as the last point in the slide. I chose to mention it because David did. He places an emphasis, doesn't he, upon the absolute greatness of God. I think that's an important point that truly is worthy, too, of our thanksgiving to Him. Let's develop it like this. I mentioned earlier that in verse number 12, it does say that all riches and honor are of thee. And it says, and thou reignest over all. I'd like you and I to keep in mind, please, there are circumstances in your life and mine where it may appear that there are forces well beyond our control. And yet, what did David say here? Thou reignest over all. The word reign means to have the superintending guidance of. It means to have sovereignty and control over. May I say, the forces in your life or mine, although it may appear as if they're well beyond our control, they are not beyond His. And He and His providential will can bring things about in such a way to continue those blessings of you and me. May we never lose sight of His greatness. Look at some of these verses that highlight that point. Romans 12, verse number 3. God's greatness is a reminder that you and I should appreciate our element in humility before Him. You and I aren't great like He is. 
we ought to then feel a daily reliance, a need to trust in one far greater than we. Aren't you reminded of Jesus' prayer in that regard in Matthew chapter 6? That model prayer He taught His disciples, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Did you notice Jesus didn't say, I'm not the one providing it. If you enjoyed breakfast this morning, I hope all of us were thankful to God for it because He gave it to us. And if you're going to enjoy lunch this afternoon, may we remember God provides it. And this coming Thursday, in the midst of what may be a bountiful table, may we certainly keep in mind the one who provided that bounty and all the marvelous blessings that go along with it, including the individuals at that table, all due to the God of heaven. His thanksgiving leads us to verses like Revelation 5, verse number 12, as well as Hebrews 11, verse number 3. This universe and everything in it is due to Him. We've been studying on Sunday morning about that interesting event in Joshua chapter 10. And you and I perhaps stagger at the thought of maintaining the moon and the earth and the sun in relative unchanging position for a day. That's no challenge to God. This entire vast universe and all of its stars and all of its galaxies and all of its black holes and other celestial objects. And our God knows everything to know about every one of them and absolutely controls them all. He even knows the hairs of your head and how many there are. He knows every bird in the air and every one that falls to the ground, Matthew chapter 10, verses 28 and following. May I say our God is great. And He is deserving of our thanksgiving. Not only because of His generosity, because of His greatness. We ought to fall in humble adoration before Him, thanking Him extensively. Look at some of these verses that close that slide. Verse number 13 of our lesson text. Now, therefore... David was drawing a conclusion in light of God's generosity and in light of His greatness, we thank Thee and praise Thy glorious name. As Christians, it really is a privilege we have to be thankful to God. And it's an honor that we enjoy to praise Him, the source of blessings, the source of the things that we appreciate and enjoy each day. Hasn't He indeed again expressed so many lovely things to us? With all that said, all that's left is to conclude our lesson with perhaps a final thought or two. You'll notice on that slide that we thank Thee, and that has also been a sentiment in some of the songs that Andrew has led us in this morning. As you and I express that thanksgiving to God, may we in fact attempt and with commitment to have that attitude all year long, to be thankful to the source of our blessings, our health, our physical things, and our spiritual ones as well. But certainly that begs a question. If you aren't right with the Lord, if you or I at this point are distanced and separated from Him, we aren't faithful to His cause, then we quite frankly are turning our back upon His blessings. He's been good to us, but we turn our back on Him. Shame on us if that's our case. You and I are choosing very poorly in that circumstance. 
We read in 1 Peter chapter 4, the closing verses of that chapter, the urgency of being thankful to God. May I say that if things are not well between you or me and God today, we need to make it right now. We aren't promised tomorrow. Proverbs 27, 1, we may never live to see it, and it may never come either way. We're going to stand before God in judgment. According to Hebrews chapter 10, I cannot imagine how awful it would be to appear before Him having known the blessing of truth and what Jesus did at the cross, but having never been thankful for it by living faithful to it. I can't imagine the sentence of horror and how bad one would feel knowing I had the chance to obey Him, but I chose not to. I was unthankful. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, one of the lists of sins that Paul listed there, things of which the human family could be guilty, and he mentioned things like disobedience to parents, but in that list, unthankfulness. Oh, if you or I ever find ourselves in a position of being unthankful by being disobedient, I hope we'll come to our senses at once, without delay, and do what we know needs to be done. Today, if there's anyone in this audience and you know now that you need to make a change and you're ready to do it, don't delay. Come now while together we stand and sing.